Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist. And I'm Kate Hensler, developmental interventionist. How are you doing tonight, Miss Laura? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Better than I was last Sunday, let's say that. (laughs) Do you feel better? You had kind of a touch-and-go week. You were even sick, Uh, even through the week. I managed to work all but Monday, but I really was dragging. And then, in case I didn't feel bad enough, I could look in the mirror and see the lovely sty that was on my eye (laughs) all week long. So it it was a trying week. I'm glad that this is a new one and we'll be doing something a little different. So... Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. <clears throat> and as soon again, I'm still having my little psychological thing. As soon as the mm-hmm. show comes on, I want to go into coughing hysterics. Sorry about that. It's not good, Laura. We can't have a I podcast. Know. It makes you cough. I know. It's all from that one week where I just I should have canceled. Remember that week when I was sick, and I should have canceled that. I canceled one week, and then the next week I was still really too sick to do the show. But oh well. I remember That's... I was in California driving along Pacific Coast <laughs> Highway while Laura and Bill are looking at everything cool, and I'm saying, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were driving during that show. That's funny. Oh yeah, we were driving. Mm-hmm. It's cool. funny to hear what our listeners do during the show, too. I always get a big chuckle when somebody sends me an email about that. So if you are listening to us and you've never sent an email about what you do during the podcast, we love to hear that. For some reason, that just makes my day. So <laughs> maybe our regular listeners will do that. Um, I want to talk about a few things before we get started with tonight's topic. First of all, I want to mention the new office, and I will gladly send emails to anyone who's interested in coming for uh, what I'm starting to kind of call a specialty eval. It is not your normal speech assessment, (laughs) and so... Even though we'll do some formal assessment stuff and certainly give you some results, but for families who are out of town and really looking for a big jump start for your child or a second opinion or a solid home program, boy, have I got something to offer you. I think that the eval packages that we have are fantastic and are really catered to a variety of Moms and dads needs, so email me at laura at teachmentalk.com for that. I'm getting lots of emails about that, so much so that I think I've missed some. I realize some are in spam today, and we don't have Internet at the new office yet, so it's been hard for me. (laughs) Boy, has it been hard. Isn't it funny how you think about how did I live before? I mean, I lived a long time without the Internet and email Mm -hmm. and all these technologically uh, advanced things that we all depend on now. So that's been kind of hard this week in between all of our renovating, you know, painting and moving and organizing and to uh, then run home and check email and respond and then run back. So if I've missed your email, please, please, please email me back so that I can be sure to get you that information. But I'm really, really excited about it. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, now openings are kind of the second week in July forward, although August is, I've had a lot of inquiries about August. So if you want to come this summer, 
get me your dates and let me uh, be able to um, respond to you. And don't forget about the Laura and Kate special that I'm just calling that on the Internet. It's really a comprehensive uh, developmental eval. And so Kate is a part of that as well, which I think is going to be really fun um, since we've, we've worked together with kids before. But I think this will be really, really exciting. And families will get good information. In your new fun office. I will feel very professional in your cool office there, Miss Laura. <laughs> I'm joking because we've done I've done almost uh, pretty much all of my work in people's homes, so it's kind of cool to have a place. Which I is know, not nice, but you have a cool place that I can come and use now and again. So that's well, pretty exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I always yeah. love it when I feel like we can give families something that they might not have had access to before. I know I get so many emails every day with families who are really struggling to get a handle on what they can do at home and how they can make a difference. And some some states, you know, don't have early intervention services at home. It's all center-based, and parents feel really left out of those processes. And the other um, segment that I'm getting emails from, especially in the last couple of days, and I don't even think I mentioned this to you when I got to talk to you for that length of time on Friday, but people whose states are off for the summer, like early intervention programs that are really, I guess, run through the Department of Education, so they work on a 10-month or a school calendar year, those are moms who've been emailing saying, I think I'd like to come see you at least once during our break so that I feel like we're still getting therapy. And I guess I always forget about programs like that since our um, state early intervention program is year-round. So um, I'd kind of forgotten about that. So that's exciting that some families will be coming and will be their fill-in therapy for that so anyway. yeah I don't, I don't think i forgot it i don't think i ever knew it that i thought that it was always a separate entity i mean it kind of makes sense that i know it's administered in different ways per state but i didn't know that right. sometimes it's and i have to say i don't think it's a great concept because i think two months off isn't great but from my perspective summer off would be pretty nice <laughs> <laughs> well i do i don't think it's great for toddlers i don't no, even I think don't it's either sometimes great for school-age kids, although if someone had told me my children would be on this year-round school calendar, I don't know if I would have liked that as a mom. But for toddlers, you know, eight weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks, that's an eternity. A lot can happen in that time, so I'm excited that I'll get to fill in some of those gaps for families, and that's exciting. And even um, today I had an inquiry from a family in Australia who is – Going to, um, they're going to be in the United States um, later on this year, and we're inquiring about that. So now I can say worldwide. So that's um, cool. very, very, very exciting. All right, I will quit going on and on about that. But if you need more information, please email me at laura at teachmetotalk.com, and I will be glad to send you an information packet, and we can go from there. All right, the second thing I wanted to talk about are all the crazy changes Facebook is making. And, uh, Kate, I know you're not, you don't constantly check your Facebook like some of I'm not very plugged into the Facebook (laughs) scene, no. Mm -mm. Well, here's the change. I am on it, but I just don't really do it. So what are they doing now? 
if you're a page, meaning that you're a business or, you know, like we are, or um, any kind of professional entity, they are charging now to promote posts that you have. And so all of your regular readers don't automatically get your post in their just kind of regular news feed unless you pay for those now. Or there's also some information that you have to be sure that you have. uh, This is kind of technical to explain, but those are people that are know Facebook and use Facebook a lot will probably understand what I'm talking about. When you go to someone's page, like teachmetotalk.com, there will be a box that will say liked if you've already liked that page. They used to call those fans, but now it's just Mm -hmm. kind of a like thing. If you hover your cursor over that, (laughs) and then it will give you some choices. And one of the choices is show in my news feed. So you have to be sure that that box is selected so that you check that box so that posts always show up. And so some I think some people some people who run or administer pages are really complaining about that and feeling like I don't want to pay for my advertising, you know, blah 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 blah. So I am just Putting that out there, if you want to make sure that you see things, and honestly, I update things on the Facebook page much more often than I update the website because it's a lot easier for me, you know, rather mm-hmm. than going into the Sue panel. And again, for people who run websites, that if you don't do that, that this you know stuff that I would say would make absolutely no sense to you. But it's a little bit harder than just posting something on Facebook, which is why that's kind of been my default for the last few years. But I wanted to mention it. So if you're not seeing um, teachmetotalk.com's updates, it's because of the changes that they've made. The other thing that people have said is that if you like a lot of, if someone's post a lot, that you'll automatically, uh, their post will automatically appear in your news feed because it's, that you've demonstrated, you know, that you read that stuff. So that's another way to do it. So I just wanted to throw that out there since that's kind of new information there. All right. And I I bet you didn't know about any of that, did you, Kate? Nope. (laughs) And do you care about that? (laughs) Not really, huh? (laughs) Well, Bill and I were just talking about Facebook tonight. You know, I just... Occasionally I do it, but for anybody out there who I haven't responded or blah blah blah, it's nothing personal. I just don't really do it very much. So right, and that's kind of how I am about Twitter. Twitter's kind of an afterthought for me, but there's some people who do Twitter all day long, and right. I just, I, you know, I am like that about Twitter. I pop on, see my stuff, post my whatever, and then pop off, and then I might not think about it for a few days. But there are some people who really do Twitter a lot. So I think it just kind of depends on if you're that kind of person or not. And I think it depends on, for some people, if they have it on their phones, it's, you know, easier to reach down and check it. Although I am noticing how annoying that is. You know, if you're with someone and they're constantly checking their email or their Twitter or texting, ugh, the kids, ugh. Mm. A lot of families have that whole 
no phone while you're talking to me or eating dinner with me or anything like that uh, rule. And I think that's good. You don't ever want to really – I always tell our kids and other people, you know, be with – love who you're with. You know, pay attention to who you're with. Instead of Anyway, that's that whole little social interaction piece going. That's why some people – the whole iPad therapy thing, too. But, boy, I'm getting way off topic. Let's move on to what tonight's <laughs> topic is. Okay. I am irritating even myself right now. Okay. Uh, we are talking about tonight, it's a continuation from last week's show, of different therapy ideas that you could try when a child seems to be a little over you and all of your standard toys and all of your standard routines that we talked about for us, for we early interventionists who work with kids birth to three, boy, that seems to really happen that last month or two of therapy. Somehow they just instinctively know, <laughs> and it's a, sometimes more of a struggle to engage those kids and keep them with you, especially if you've seen them for a year and a half or a year or even you know six to nine months. Sometimes you're thinking, especially if you're not switching out your toys pretty often, and it's some, for some of our kids who are from families with tons of resources, boy, they have every toy known to man. And so sometimes it's really hard to kind of keep those kids engaged. So last week we talked about a lot of ideas that you may not have used before in therapy and try to kind of give you some spins on how to mix your toys up a little bit or some accessories that you might add to even standard routines that would make it a little bit more fun. Um, it was really cute. A therapist that we both know sent me a note this week and said that she was going out to buy Band-Aids and glue sticks because she had listened to the show from last week, and I always think that's so cute to hear from somebody about that. Uh, and those were some of the ideas that we had. And so we ran out of time last week before I got to talk about what board games or early kinds of toddler games that uh, we both like and use and are a part of our kind of normal routines. And then I have a lot that I pull out for this very phase of therapy when a toddler is older. And, you know, I'm seeing more three- and four-year-olds now, so I'm certainly using these games more often. Because, again, kids are more mature, their attention spans are better, they're able to understand a little bit better about turn-taking. You know, some of these things you probably couldn't do with a new two-year-old. And these are things that I really save for either when a kid has been with me a while or that I know that they are mature enough to be able to understand uh, what's going on with the game. So I wanted to put that caveat out there because these kinds of things don't work for every kid. And even some of the things that we use all the time – there are still some situations where they seem to work better than others. So we'll talk about some of those. First of all, an early game that I do, even for kids who aren't at that level, I wanted to mention that cute little fishing around game. It's a Milton Bradley game. Kate, you have it too. Do you want to explain uh, what that game one is? That's OCD uh, games. I I have probably four. In case that one breaks and that one breaks and that one breaks, I will not be without the fishing around game. <laughs> yes. And I have used my last new one, and I probably need to start the hunt for the replacements because when I took the last new one out of the box, probably, oh, gosh, I bet it was the end of last year, I thought, uh-oh, 
What am I going to do when this one breaks? Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you explain that game while I get a drink? Okay. Um, Well, I mean, it kind of is basic, um, kind of a little platform, and it looks like there's some plastic on the perimeter of it that's supposed to look like water. There's a button in the middle that looks like a turtle. You get these fish. And, you know, it's like the the game, the fish game that uh, they call them a variety of things, but where the little fish comes up and you have to catch it. This is different. It's magnetic, and the fish have magnets, and you put the fish on it, and they go around in a circle, and um, their mouths open, but it's not the little pop-out-of-the-hole kind, which I've had parents get as because yeah. kids love mine so much. And right. that kind is not nearly as good. So it's again, not. It's too hard. I mean, that mm-hmm. that game is kind of hard for even me to do. I mean, my visual perceptual skills aren't great, uh, but that <laughs> one's too frustrating. I mean, sometimes right. I have to really work to get the silly fish on the pole. And if I'm having difficulty, our little friends with developmental delay surely do. So I like our the version we use much better. Right, which I think it's a Milton Bradley toy, it but is, yeah. the production is strange, it seems. It'll be out for a while and then not, and I don't know that you can even buy it new right now. I'm sure you could buy it on Amazon. And, like, it is called Fishing Around, Fishing Around, isn't it, Laura? Yeah, I think it's Fishing No G. Yeah. Fishing Around. So then, yeah. anyway, you get, um, there are some cards that, you know, can t- kind of dictate if you, if kids are at this level. It'll show two green fish, and they're supposed to catch two green fish. Rarely do I ever really get to a point where I'm really playing with the picture cards. Generally, uh-huh. we just catch the fish. I have had kids try and match them, kids uh-huh. who were um, good at that sort of thing, but not to the point where they were going to have to catch the two green fish because right. probably they could never do that. But some kids can certainly match three purple fish, and I'll have them get uh-huh. three purple fish as we played with it a little while. You know, what I do with those cards is more often than not, if I have a sibling that's there that really wants to kind of participate, but that I might Uh be having a little difficulty controlling, I will say, you know, I'll give them a job, like to separate the cards or sort the cards or whatever, and I'll say, why don't you put them in the order that you want to match them when we're finished with this? And then there's kind of that anticipation with the older kid, like, I'm going to let my baby brother or sister play, and I'm going to do this whole manipulate the card thing, and then I can have it after they're done. And that seems to work for, you know, those kids that you can't quite incorporate into your play time with a sibling, but they still want to be right there. And sometimes they have to be right there because moms don't have another option or you might be able to control them or use them for some other activity, but they're just so intrusive the rest of the time that you almost am always trying to think, what job can I give them that they still feel like they're participating, (laughs) but they're out of my way for a second so that I can talk to the baby. You know how that goes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I've had I those do. older siblings do some things with those cards. So that's kind of a, a suggestion with that game, too. But I hardly ever use the cards with the client that I'm working with, again, unless they're really mature or older. That might be mm-hmm. a way to incorporate that, yeah. <laughs> but that's a fun game, and, I, I, again, I use it almost from the get-go with nearly everybody. And so it's kind of the exception to the – you know, the beginning introduction where I was saying that I'm 
would always use these as older kids. But so, but that's an easy one, and it's fun. And if if you have a kid that's really into visual stimulation, meaning they love TV or they like to watch things that spin, boy, do they love this game. So fishing mm-hmm. around is a great one. It's a winner. If you don't have it, you should put it on your search list and really try to find that game because that's a good one. Another variation of a game that spins like that is Lucky Ducks. I just got a new Lucky Ducks game. And, Kate, you don't you don't play Lucky Ducks, I don't think, very much, do you? No, you know, I've had it. I, I don't know. Maybe I didn't quite know what to do with it to make it fun. I just kind of was like, mm, what do you do with it? <laughs> You're so funny. And, and that quacking is a little obnoxious. But <laughs> you can't really turn the sound down, and there's not an off button. Right. And it's one of those same things where it looks like a little pond, and you have the ducks, and it really is the intended way to play. It's for you to match the ducks to your board. And I have had kids who were just really at the very beginning stages of being ready for a board game really like lucky ducks when their when their attention is better when they're really kind of ready and i i think it's good for kids who again are just right on the verge of kind of understanding more of that back and forth turn taking and i've had kids that really like and that really need the practice of flipping the duck over and looking at the color on the bottom and then looking to see where to match it. Now, I hardly ever have it where I have a card and the kid has a card and mom has a card. I just lay a few of the cards or set them out, <laughs> excuse me, on the floor, and the kid just puts them wherever, you know. Mm-hmm. So the, the blue one's out and the red one's out and the green one and yellow or whatever colors. So I hardly ever have it where you're really doing that turn-taking. But for the beginning where you're really starting to, where a kid is starting to kind of understand rules for a game, that's a great one to use, and, and I, I, will say, I like it. Say, I see Lucky Duck uh, at resale wherever, Goodwills or, you know, resale shops all the time, and I never buy that one because, I don't know, like I said, I just never really loved it, and I think I, I chuckle because I think a lot of parents must think, get rid of that quacking thing. It's- <laughs> Yeah, when it goes off in the back of your car, when it's in the oh. back seat or the truck, and you can't, you know, reach it. Oh boy, is it annoying! Normally, I'm really good at, at really not paying much attention to that sort of thing, but for some reason, that lucky duck. I don't know. I may have to see if it's. I probably still have one in my attic because I know I did have one. It just never became one of my biggies that I love. Well, yeah. Well, kids that are really into colors like Lucky Ducks. And Mm -hmm. so if you have a kid that's really into that, another way that I remember a couple of kids that I used it with, and we've talked about this before, who were really into colors, who label things just by their color. You know, if you say, what's this? And they say, yellow, instead of saying duck. Because on the bottom of the ducks, we didn't really explain the game. It's like the pond, and then you have, there are what, maybe 15 or 20 ducks? Maybe not that many. And then there are little cards or bo- a board that every player is supposed to get, but it, it they look like lily pads. And so you match the dot on the bottom of the duck with the dot on your card. And so for some kids who, again, are really into colors, that that's a learning strength for them and that that's something they pay attention to, 
you're able to really help them put that noun with it so that even though you're, I'm saying, what duck do you have? Do you have blue duck or green duck? Or, you know, if somebody, if a mom is kind of going, why are you calling that a blue duck? It's really a yellow duck. I'll say the blue dot or the yellow dot or whatever. And it really helps them add that second word. And again, that's not a strategy that you're going to need to use for every kid. But in that particular situation, that's something that's really, really worked. It also is kind of a filler activity for some kids. And, you know, the kids that have seen you for a while, and they're really pretty good players, but they're, they kind of need a little activity to break up whatever you're doing. A, lucky, a little round of Lucky Ducks, a little five-minute, you know, interval with that. Uh, it's a good filler activity. So I, I like Lucky Ducks, and I, I think I've used it more than you have. Yep, I'll have to read. I'll have to see it again. Try it again. See if I like it any better than I did last go around. <laughs> the other thing that you can really use it for is if you have a kid who doesn't have a D, an initial D. It's mm-hmm. a great kind of mass practice game. So if you right. were thinking more about articulation, and if you were having, you really needed a kid to practice that. So if you had an apraxic kid, that you really needed him to say duck twenty five times before he owned that word, Lucky Ducks is a good one um, to use Hmm. for that. And I've certainly used it in that way right? as well. So I wanted to point that out. All right, another game that I love that I don't use very often because it kind of goes against my grain um, with how we don't really focus on shapes and colors and all that stuff, but the cute little Candyland castle toddler is a cute game um but i don't use it for every kid again it has to be the right kind of kid for me to use and kate you have that game too don't you i do um i used it the other day with a little boy who he's he's i haven't seen him too long but he's almost three and really for him since i am technically a di really i kind of see him for speech but He's a kid who might well have qualified for both, but got me instead of both. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, and he does not have a clue about really matching shapes or matching colors, and yet he's pretty verbal. So I was uh-huh. really using it to get him to try and practice on matching the shapes and matching the colors, which he um, enjoyed the game a lot. I can't say uh-huh. that he mastered the the. Uh, skill of either one of those, but he did like the game. Right. Um, yeah, and I don't use it a lot, but for some I don't kids, either. It, it, it does tend to be one of those, okay, he's 35 months and I, I can't take trains one more time because we've done right. it a thousand times and he's right. sick of it, so am I. You know, when they are just before three um, you know, that's a good one, and they tend to like it. And it's, I think really what they're mostly intrigued by on that one is kind of a little plastic house. I always call it the candy house. And then mm-hmm. you put the little candy shapes in it, and there's a candy cane that you pull, and the shapes kind of shoot out of there. And they like that, right. you know, shooting action. <laughs> it's cool. It's really, really cool. And it's a good kind of cause and effect thing, you know, a little higher level. 
Sometimes the candy cane, sometimes the shape gets stuck, and so you have to do a little problem solving there. How am I going to get that out of there? So I like to think about it in that way, too. But it's not, it, for those of you listening who've never seen this game, it's not the standard Candyland board game. It's no. one made specifically for toddlers, and it does have that little castle on it, or the candy house. I think that's cuter. I'm going to start calling it that. And the shapes go inside, so plastic shapes, and there's a star and a thing. I call it a flower. Do you call it a flower? I do. The blue thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. star and the flower, and this, there's an oval, and there's a square, I think. That might be all. I think there might be more shapes, but and they're different colors. So, again, if you have a kid that's just stuck on the color, you can usually get that second word if you're trying to get work toward phrases, you know, with yellow star or blue flower or whatever. So I like it for that reason. And it does have the the little gingerbread people that you match the shapes on. Um and I've had I've had kids that really like it. But I have had kids that aren't very interested because they don't understand the whole concept. And I have had some moms who I think were more into it than the kid who I think, oh, boy, this is way too early for me to introduce this because I don't really want her hyper-focusing on teaching triangle and circle and all those those shape words when a kid doesn't have a really good core vocabulary. So I would never use it with a kid unless they were really talking and really probably beyond that 50-word level um, so that they so that we were working on more functional words. And this, again, would be a kid that I would be working on that really specific goal of getting the second word or for kids that you just need something for attention or something to still stay engaged with you. The other thing that I've done a lot with these kinds of games are practice holistic phrases or carrier phrases like, I got it, I did it, it's my turn, mm-hmm. um, you know, those kinds of phrases because you can say the darn phrase, you know, 25 times while you're playing. So that's another situation that you might really think about pulling out a game like that and have a really specific speech goal in mind. And again, because it's something you've not done before, kids tend to like it and stay with you a little bit better. All right, so that was another idea. Another game that I love is called Pop-Up Pirate. Do you have that game, Kate? I think you do, don't you? I do. I like Pop-Up Pirate, but I hardly ever play it. Do you play it very much? Uh, no. It, it's something that gets cycled in and out of my car, so that means, you know, I may use it for a little while. But yeah. really, that's definitely on the... They're pushing three. They're sick of right. everything else. Right. In other words, I like it, but I don't... And that's kind of the result. Some kids do like it, but... Some kids do like it. Kids who are pirate crazy love it. So if you have, you know, our little boys who are turning three and they're going to have a pirate theme for their birthday party, boy, that's a topical activity for you to do. When I've really used it for kids, or again, my kids that I'm starting to think a little bit about articulation, or for a kid who might not have a bilabial at all, and for those of you who are not speech pathologists, bilabial is a fancy term for lip sounds, meaning P's, B's, or M's. And because it's called pop-up pirate, you can use words like pop and push and pull, and I use boom and bang with, uh, when I'm pushing the sword in, I'll say boom, um, 
just to try to get another word in there that starts with a target sound. So that's most often when I use it. Or if I'm working with a kid who is um, apraxic or has motor planning problems that they don't that they might be able to get a P or a B in a single word, but I want it more at the phrase level. I'll come up with a carrier phrase like I push or I pull or something where they're having to add another word with it. And for again, that might be too technical for some of the some of our little clients, you know, that we're just happy that they say anything. But for some of our kids who are pushing three or who are after three, that you're really working on things more at the phrase and sentence level, that's a great game to do it with. And it's easier if you're using the same carrier phrase throughout the whole routine. So, again, they're getting mass practice, meaning they have to say the same thing over and over and over again. And it's a great game. Um, to use for that. But I don't always see pop-up pirate in the stores. I think that might be a toy you have to snag from Amazon. That's where <laughs> I got mine. I, I know I didn't buy it uh, locally anywhere, so I think it is kind of you can get it, but it's not a common one. That's what I think, too. And I got mm-hmm. it because I uh, an OT friend of ours plays it a lot with kids because it's such a good fine motor task and a visual task too because you have to get the little sword in the slot and the gag is that in one of the holes if you push the sword in the little pirate pops up from the barrel so that's the fun of it and I like that whole anticipation thing um, you know, and I remember having a little boy always say, did the pi- did pirate pop? You know, because we were working really hard on peas. But, again, <laughs> that's not something that you could do with every single kid on your caseload, nor would it be appropriate. But for a kid that you're really thinking about articulation, it, it's a winner. It's a great one to use. So I like that one a lot. All right, another game um, that I do, and I, I really only do this with kids, if they're about to turn three or you know so many moms will buy those memory games do you play very many memory games with kids kate no you know those little memory matching games i only usually play them if they already have them or if i think that they're they're kind of a flashcard kid anyway and have you had many of those lately where they're really kind of into naming their flashcards because that's what mom has done with them thinking that it's you know, educational. Right. And so, yeah. And so I don't ever play the real way with memory games because I just think it's too hard. And so what I usually do is set a row of them out, maybe four or five, or if a kid can handle it more, and then I'll just, um, we'll, we'll pull the new cards either out of the box or if I've really thought ahead and brought a bag or a bucket I have this little bucket that I love that is really a Valentine's Day bucket, and the slot in the top is just big enough for a toddler to barely get their hand in there. So, of course, they want to do that. (laughs) And so I'll put the cards that match, or even sometimes ones that don't match, the ones that I've set out, and let a kid really reach in and try to get it and pull it out and you know, we'll find the match. If you're working on negation, and again, this is a really kind of technical speechy goal, but negation means that you're putting not or the word no with another noun or verb or, you know, whatever other part of speech you're using. And since this is a memory game, you're more than likely going to be using nouns. So you could work on this with um, 
this kind of goal with this game, you could say, you know, is that a fish? And the kid is supposed to say, not a fish. Is that a boat? Not a boat. You know, of course, if it's not a fish or a boat. And so I found that to be a really highly effective way um, to work on that particular goal. But again, <laughs> you have to have a kid who will stay with you, who who can hang in there through pictures. I do not use a ton of pictures or flashcards in therapy um, with kids under three because I think it's not developmentally appropriate. But occasionally you'll get a kid who really likes that or who's even ready for that. And so it's a nice way to do it. Another way that I use those memory cards is just pretending to play cards with a kid. And I might hold three or four up in my hand like I'm holding a regular, you know, card game or card deck and let them pick from my hand. And I'll say things like, oh, don't get that one. No, 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 don't pick that one. And they think that is hysterical. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll then try to pick it and, you know, you'll, and again, negation is the best thing, you know. And I'll say, let me guess what it is. Is that a kitty cat? You know, and it, for kids who are working on yes, no, that would be a great way to work on that, you know, yes or no. And so you have to really kind of vary which answer it should be. But that would not be a therapy activity you could do with every single kid. You know, it has to be really tailored to what your needs are but that's how i use those memory games and a lot of moms will have those and will want to play those have you had moms like that i have and i've had a few kids who and i like have one or two but i really don't use them i don't don't really either most of my kids really just aren't there but i haven't really altered it the way you suggested to make it a little bit more just as far as laying them out and trying to find them mm. (laughs) no it's a little high level for that is hot. That's a higher level thing, and a lot of moms don't understand that. And then the kid gets mad and messes them all up and doesn't want to play and chunks them across the room. And I say, well, no wonder, because it's too hard. You might as well be asking him to do algebra. You know, he's right. not ready for that yet. But you show a mom how to modify it and say, let's just work on matching and let's make it a teeny bit more fun by putting the other matches Again, there's something just magical about a kid having to stick his hand, even in a paper bag, or even if you just put them in your hands and act like, oh, I'm going to mix them up, I'm mixing them up, what are you going to get? You know, we do that with puzzle pieces sometimes. Right. But but with the memory cards, that's kind of a funny way to do it. And kids think that's so funny, and they'll stay with you a little bit better that way. A few weeks ago when I was with one of my sweet little friends her grandmother was there for a visit her mother and her and me and i had her decide who would get the card and she liked that i would you know she would tell me what the card was she would pick it out of the box and again i would shake it up and you know act like it's you know just the greatest surprise ever and she would pick the card and say what it was and then she would have to pick whose card it was going to be if it was going to go to mommy or nana or me or her and that was fun for everybody and she started just picking nana on every one and you know it was it was like she was really playing a joke on us and she thought that was great and to see that kind of higher level humor you know, and a kid who's never really <laughs> demonstrated that, you know, she would, mm-hmm. her eyes were twinkling like, Nana! You know, so it was really <laughs> kind of cute for her to her to do that. So that's another variation. And a, for a lot of our kids, you can't play any game like it's intended for a long time <laughs> because they're just not there, so you have to be creative and on your toes and thinking, how can I modify this so it's fun enough to keep them but not so 
frustrating that they no longer want to play with you. So that's okay. a good I way have to a do question, that. Laura. Uh huh. I, I have an impromptu question. It's not a toughie, that but I do want to ask. That makes me scared. No, it's not. It's not hard. I asked because you know how we're we're both really quite um, OCD about our toys and yeah. wanting you know to have every cool thing and heaven forbid somebody else have cooler toys or even a cooler uh, toy. And uh, I had that situation happen this week where it's this girl that I've seen for quite a while and she was really kind of bored with me and I asked what the speech therapist has been doing with her because um, she's kind of, she hasn't seen her long, but she, the mom did have some things that she liked. And one of them I have and haven't used with her. One of them was Candyland, actually, so which I should have thought of and didn't. But another one she mentioned is something I've never had. And, of course, I, I thought, oh, yeah, that could be something kind of cool, you know. What was it? <laughs> Might need to find one of those. <laughs> so I've been looking online, but I wanted to ask you, and then I'll just give a shout-out to anybody listening to let me know if they have it or have had it, what they think of it. Um, it's like the Fisher-Price little record player. I don't have that. And they have apparently come out with a new one that's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's supposed to be like the vintage one. Um I guess they were really out in the 70s and 80s, but they have little plastic records. Now, I read the reviews that of it. That spin, yeah, yes. plastic records that spin. Oh, yeah, you already know it's a winner then, don't you? Yeah, I know. It's like, mm, <laughs> I don't know. But see, the reviews online, it's people who had it when they were kids, and they right. were really very sorely disappointed with the new version because it's not as cool. And I could see that, you know. Right. Um, apparently the old one, you wound it up, and that made it go round and round. And oh, this yeah. one, it's it's battery operated. There is a winding thing, but that's like the volume. Uh-huh. It looks very vintage, very retro, but the, these are the new ones. So, and so I does it know. just play different little songs? Yeah, there are maybe five, four or five different mm-hmm. records, you know. And she and likes it, that you're, that little girl likes that. She loves it. Mm-hmm. I and, might have to oh, take a look at that. I know, and I started to think, mm, yeah, I could see where that would be. And I knew exactly. Now, this mom said that the one that the speech therapist had was vintage. I suspect it's not. I suspect it's right. the new version. But right. they look right. very vintage. I could right. see where you know, they she are made. To, you know how those right. vintage Fisher-Price toys are? Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah. that. It, and it's like thirty dollars online, so I'm, I'm thinking I might have to invest in the. I'm thinking I'm going to get it too, and we'll just <laughs> see how we like it. Yeah, that sounds good. Any time though that you can make a choice and you have that many options, that reminds me of that other little. Do you remember the ABC truck? Do you still have the ABC truck? Oh that yeah. Had the little, and I haven't used that in a long time either. And then I pulled it out the other. Wasn't the other day? It's more like a month or two now. And I guess I either need to replace the batteries or do something else. And, again, it's not something I would use with every kid because I do not think that we should be pushing academic concepts like letters. But the the this little truck, and I don't think it's available anymore. I haven't seen it in a long time. But it's a green, it's like a garbage truck, isn't it? Or is it like a... 
It maybe it's yeah, supposed it's to a be mail, a, it's a mail truck. A mail truck, that's what it is. There and is a garbage a, truck actually. There's like a recycling truck, but the one you're talking about is the mail truck. Yeah, and so you're supposed these are supposed to be like letters and I guess the letter, the alphabet, that was somebody probably was really proud of themselves for coming up with that concept in the <laughs> in the whole, you know, research and development division of Fisher-Price. But it's it's got, like, cards for the alphabet, and so the A is like an apple. And if I had a kid that really liked letters, it would be a good thing to do. Or you could just name the picture, which is kind of a good vocabulary-building thing. And, again, little boys loved it because it's a truck, and you would push the card on top of the truck, and it would say... Would it just say the letter, or would it say the letter in the picture? I don't remember. Probably the letter uh, in the picture. It says both, and then from it, they have some kind of little sound effect. Yeah. Like, hey, and apple, ah, and it bites into yeah. it. sounds like yeah. it's biting an apple. Or. And I do remember with some kids just kind of modeling the sound effect thing and seeing if they would imitate that. So you could do a ton of things with that, and especially receptive language if you were – starting to think about picture identification for some children and again i'm not huge excuse me huge with that but that is a bona fide skill that is measured on all of our tests you know can a kid point to the right picture when named um so it's a toy worth looking at and it was certainly a more fun engaging way to target that skill than with what other kinds of toys that you could have used so that kind of reminded me of that where you would have to yeah. modify it a little I bit to make it more appropriate. The same little guy I used Candyland with the other day, I used that with. You see, I, you know I was going through my, okay, were, what? Yeah. <laughs> Let me dig deep here. Let yeah. me see what we can take that we're both going to be a little more interested in. And he, um, I did not do any letters, for heaven's sakes. He's not anywhere. Thankfully, he's not. doesn't have that strength or obsession. Right. Um, but and he's really not at all close to that. But we just labeled him, and he's really kind of a speech kid, and um, he, he liked it. He was pretty cute yeah. about it. That was, But, again, do I use it a lot? No. Me either, but I need to, I'm going to set it out and have Johnny look at it and see what's wrong with it because for some kids that would be a really fun thing to do, especially if they're sick of your other stuff. New one, mm-hmm. new games that I've, Bought that I ha- I don't even think I've talked to you about some of these games, so you may not know any what? of these. What you have been holding <laughs> out? Get your pen ready, Kate. Here comes some new stuff. All right. What is it? One is called Bunny Hop. Have you seen this game? No. Now it is two the the directions. I haven't even really read what the real directions are, but I'm sure it's more complicated than how I play. But it looks like a garden, and there are several holes, and you push the bunny in the hole. And gosh, oh, I wish I would have looked at the box before I said this. I don't remember how or why the bunny pops up. I think there's some kind of randomness, but darn it, the bunnies don't pop up. And that is fun, and even older, like five- and six-year-old siblings have really wanted to play with that game. Cause okay, wait, you're saying bunny hop or bunny pop? 
hop, H-O-P, but the bunnies okay. pop. Like you push them in a hole in the game, and because this is new, I haven't played it very many times. So, and again, you know how my memory is on really knowing exactly how things work. I don't really remember until I'm sitting down doing it. But you push the bunnies in the hole, and you do something that, like, you go, you you know, you have to move your little thing. I can't even remember what that is. But the big thing is the bunnies pop up out of the holes, and they kind of shoot up. You know, there it's kind of like a cylinder, and there are probably eight or ten bunnies, and so it's a lot of fun. So Sounds bunny cute. hop. Is that That's an Amazon one? I got it off Amazon. Yes, I did. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Another one that I have only taken out of the box that I have not played with a real child yet, but I thought it would be worth mentioning because we're doing this show on board games, is called Diggity Dog. And the dog has a magnet so that he picks up bones with his nose. Oh. And I think that'll be really fun. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you're probably going to have to come up with some... You'd either have to use a carrier phrase with it. You know, I can imagine myself saying, I got it, I did it, it's on, or, you know, um, it's stuck, it's stuck, or something like that. I mean, my language goal would be different than the intent for the game. But I love how you can take a game like that and modify it just with a little bit of forethought. And to me, that would mean while I'm driving to the kid's house, (laughs) as I'm thinking, how will I use that game? And I hopefully would have looked at it as I'm putting it in the car to remember exactly how it works. But I think that's a really cute game. And again, a kid that I were, if I were working on specific sounds like D or even B for bone, I would come up with other little target words that had that same phonological process. So, again, if we were working on bilabials or if we were working on, you know, whatever, uh, final consonants, you know, bone would be a good word for that, and dog. Um, So dog may not be the best word if they're backing, but I don't want to get into all that. That's too way too technical for this show. But for the right goal, that would really be a cute game. And, I, I've, and again, I haven't played it with a kid yet. I just I've purchased it, but I haven't used it. But I wanted to mention it since this is the topic of the show. But I can see it being really popular because anything with magnets mm-hmm. is usually a big hit. So Funny happen, diggity dog. There you go. Okay. Three more. (laughs) These are all older preschool games. I can't really see um, tons of toddlers being able to do these, but I wanted to mention them because they are all oldie but goodie games that are pretty standard. And I just recently bought these because they were on clearance for six bucks each at Kroger, and I thought, I'm just going to buy these because who knows when I'll need them. Don't Break the Ice is one of them. Have you played that before? I have it. You know, it's probably in the darker recesses of the attic. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I have. And I remember my kids had this, and my boys loved it because it's a square, and you it's kind of like, I think about it like a rink, like an ice rink. And you put the blocks in, and they just um, hold together because of the pressure of the blocks in, and it's supposed to be ice, and there's a bear that fits on top of one of the slots, 
you stick it in there, and then you have a mallet, and you hit the piece of ice until it falls through. And, you know, after a little while, it will make, <coughs> when you, or even, I guess, in the first turn. Sometimes only the piece that you're hitting falls through, and sometimes a lot fall through. But you don't want to be the person who knocks the bear in. Okay, that's the game. Well, toddlers and young preschoolers want to be the person who makes the bear <laughs> fall. So it does not matter if you are violating the rules of the game, whatever. But it's it's fun. And it, I had forgotten about it, and I would forgotten how much my kids liked it until I, you know, bought it and took it out of the box and thought, oh, I remember this. Jonathan and Tyler loved this game. So it's worth mentioning. Um, and, again, I think anything with a hammer is a lot of fun, even as kids get to be three and four. Uh, so that's that's certainly uh, one that you could – and you could vary your goals with. If you were really working on turn-taking and had a kid that – and, again, not a one-year-old, but a kid who's turning three that you were trying to get to – do some back and forth turn taking where he had enough inhibition to wait while you hammered that would be a good toy to introduce if that were one of your secondary goals because it you know it's hard to kind of sit and wait on four or five other people to take a turn in a game but just to let you hammer while they sit and wait and then them hammer while you sit and wait and you could work your speech goals in there you know pound 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 or pow 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 or bang 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 or um, I hit you know, whatever. Um, you could come up with whatever little phrase or word you wanted to use for your speech goal um, and could vary that from kid to kid depending on what your needs were. But it's one worth mentioning and one that I know that I'll play with kids, the right kind of kids. So I wanted to mention that. All right, Crocodile Dentist, do you have that game, Kate? No, I'm familiar with it. I never have done that one. My kid, This is one, too, that my kids really liked. It's kind of got the surprise in it. And so your kids who are kind of daredevil kids who, mm -hmm. you know, are always kind of walking on the edge really like this game because it's, a, it's an alligator or a crocodile that you open and the teeth you have to push on the teeth one at a time. And then all of a sudden the crocodile's mouth will close on your finger. Some kids, I think, would be traumatized by that and cry, don't use it with those kids. <laughs> use it with the kids that will think that's really funny and who get the whole anticipatory thing or kids that, you know, will want the crocodile to smash their finger. You know, we've all had those little boys on our caseload. So that's kind of a fun one, too that I wanted to mention. And I don't play that very often. And actually that game is pretty, um, it's not as durable as some of our other games. You can really tear that one up. So I'd probably wait and use it with a kid that you could control a little bit. And the older versions used to be much bigger than the newer versions. Now, you know, when I took it out of the box, I thought, oh, that's little. Um, but uh -huh. it would be fun for again, the right kind of kid, and it might be just a little filler activity that if a kid were running away from you and not wanting to stay, you could whip out Crocodile Dentist, and I know it would be enticing enough for him to come back and want to sit with you a couple more minutes, and then you could whip out your next activity. So I think it would be a, a good kind of filler thing, and I like to have those things in my bag that only take a minute or two, but that are real fun just to bring a kid back, and then you transition right into your next activity. So that's a good one. Get that one if you don't have it. 
and you can work on negation too with that you know um whatever you want to say you know he did not bite me or not get me or something like that you know your not word could be your target there all right ants in the pants is a game that i bought on sale or on clearance at Kroger, too. And there's so many versions of this game where, do you know what Ants in the Pants is, Kate? Do you have that game, or have you seen it? Do you remember it? I remember it. That's, that's an oldie <laughs> but a goodie. That was around I when I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, and so you flick the ants, and they're supposed to go up and try and land in the, the dog's plastic pants. Yeah. I can never play this game. I couldn't play it as a kid. I just don't it's have hard. a talent. Yeah. <laughs> but again, for kids, the right kind of kid, I can see would be totally fascinated with trying to sit there and push, you know, and really kind of launch the ant and, you know, move it a little bit. Will it work if I do it this way? Move it if you, you know, will he go, will the ant go in if I do it this way? So I think that, again, would be a pretty cool game to use with groups of children so if you had a kid and his siblings that you were playing with i think that would be a good one and again i only paid six dollars for it so i already feel like i got my money's worth so there you go the last game that i wanted to mention is called cooties and had do you remember playing that one it's kind of like you're building a bug so it would be the next step up from potato heads i think Okay. But there's there's a board game that goes with it. I don't know that a two-year-old, even an older two, could sit with you through the whole thing. Right. But for an older kid, it, I think it would be good. And so I'm going to figure out a way to use that. And I specifically bought this for my little friend who is three and a half and who I, I shared this on last week's podcast, who is really giving me and her mom and dad a run for our money on what she will and won't do with us. Mm-hmm. And so, I, and she likes potato heads, so I think she'll like this game because it's you have to get various parts of this bug, and there are you know pairs of legs and eyes and a hat and a mouth and a nose, and so I think that she'll like that, and it'll be a good requesting game. You know, if you have a kid who needs to work on I want or I need, it would be a good way to do that. The very last thing I wanted to mention that I think is always fun with an older kid is dress up and i haven't done dress up with a little client in a long time but when i had my group program we did dress up all the time and as children turn three and four those that's so developmentally appropriate for them to want to put on different clothes and pretend they're different people and that's a higher level pretend skill and i've been talking about that on therapy tip of the week so i wanted to mention dress up you can buy lots of uh, Halloween costumes on clearance and really um, put away some nice dress-up options. And little boys love those superhero costumes, Spider-Man and Batman and all those things. But even if you want it to be more simple, just having a cowboy hat or two and a, even a sock hat like it's winter time, and a fireman hat. Those are things that lots of kids love. But it's the right kind of kid and a kid who's really kind of ready for that next level of pretend play. So I wanted to mention dress up because that's something I've done with kids as they were turning three. And some kids really were ready and thought that was lots and lots of fun. <coughs> Did you ever do dress up? 
Not in a long time. I yeah. I have tried it, but I haven't done it in a long time. I think it has to be the right kid. (laughs) And I think if you have to have the right stuff, like if they are crazy about a certain character, if you could come up with that character's outfits and put some accessories with it, I think it would be a lot of fun. And especially if a kid were moving right along with language and you could do some pretending where... You know, if the kid were pretending to be, um, you know, any kind the Hulk. Yeah. And whatever the routine is, you know, you could help develop some of that and target target language through that. And, uh, you know, I think that would be tons of fun. So wanted to mention that. And I saw some, we had lunch at Cracker Barrel today, and I saw some little pretend outfits, and that made me think of that. And I thought, I'm going to come back here when I can spend more time <laughs> And dig through some of that stuff and and put some more of that stuff together. My daughter, who's now 16, loved dress up. She played that for hours and hours and hours every day. So I used to have a ton of it, but it just got so icky that I didn't use it anymore. But that's something I'm going to restock on because I haven't done it in a while. And I do think it's lots of fun for um, older, well, preschoolers, yeah. All right, we're at the end of our hour. I got everything in that I wanted to mention. I did not mention the simplest games that you can do with toddlers, just early matching, and that would be um, there's some great examples of those kinds of games on my DVD, Teach Me to Listen and Obey 2, where we're matching um, gift bows to construction paper and matching some other kinds of things. Sometimes I've had kids match shoes like you know, you could put half the shoes in front of, in like a big circle in the room and then hold the other half and then have a kid go get the shoe that matches that. And again, right kind of kid, right kind of family. You couldn't do that for every every kid, but that's been fun for um some families that I've seen. And puzzles, puzzle matching and puzzle races where you put the puzzle on one side of the room and you're on the other side of the room with the pieces. And, again, those are really simple versions. And sometimes just saying something as simple as, want to play a game? Let's play a game. And I think I talked about that last week. And that whole way that you build it up and introduce it can make an activity, you know, it's the difference between it being ho-hum and mundane and a real hit with the kids. So be sure that you're using that kind of build-up and act excited and play with the kid, you know, regardless if you're doing something easy and early like we talked about or those more advanced games. All right, I'm finished. I got it all in there. (laughs) You had a lot to say about it. Excuse me. Well, and I hope that there's some good ideas. And I think a lot of times we have all these activities or have, like you were saying, in the dark recesses of my attic. You know, we have some of these things, but then we don't pull them out. And so we just need to be reminded to recycle our things and really dig deep for those last few visits for some of our kids. And, and games are the way to do that for a lot of a lot of our little friends. Right. On that note, I'm going to go dig out some stuff for my little girl tomorrow morning because she is at that stage where if I'm not, and she got me last week, of course I was sick. There you go. (laughs) Well, go to the attic, Kate. You're not in the attic anymore. Go to the, you probably have them in your basement now, don't you? No, they're, they're in the attic in the garage. Oh, well, get out there. You've got time while it's still daylight. Yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> all right, that's all for this week. Thanks okay, so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye.